Our tech overlords were at it again this week. Representatives from Facebook and Google were called to testify before the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Antitrust. And it was the witness from Facebook, VP of Public Policy and Privacy, Steve Satterfield, who stole the show. First, here he is responding to the very first question of the hearing from subcommittee chair Amy Klobuchar. Facebook and Google both collect data uh, about consumers to enable targeted advertising, which is the principal way I believe your companies make money. How important is consumer data to each of your companies? You can start, Mr. Satterfield. Thank you, Chairwoman Klobuchar. The way that we look at it is success comes from building great products and not from how much data you have. Great experiences, huh? You measure your success in net great experience. Is that how it works? Is that what you tell the shareholders? This experience quarter, we made 3.6 billion great experiences. Klobuchar got to the heart of the data issue a few minutes later. Last quarter, Facebook publicly reported that its advertising revenue per users in the U.S. and Canada was $51.58. I want to ask you a few questions about that. Uh, The the comparable number for Europe was only $17.08. In Asia, it's $4.13. And the rest of the world, you reported advertising revenue per user of about $3. Why is the value of a user in the U.S. worth so much more than the rest of the world, especially when we're comparing ourselves to um, 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 comparable countries in Europe? Senator, I think there are a lot of factors that go into those average revenue per user uh, numbers. Okay. I just, that's not really an answer though, man. (laughs) Yes, Amy, throw a binder at his ass. Here were Satterfield's attempts at elaborating on his points. What, what, we're, what we're doing is we're breaking down revenue per region according to the number of, of folks that we serve in those regions. That's what's reflected in the numbers that you're describing. Okay, why don't we go to you, Mr. Rob? Moving on to questions from the top Republican on the panel, Mike Lee from Utah. Here's Satterfield trying to answer Lee's question about Facebook having monopoly power over people's data given the lack of any real alternatives. Well, Senator, again, respectfully, that's just not how we think about data and how we use data to provide value to people. All right. I I get it. That's not how you think about it. It's clear to me you don't want to answer that. Whatever. I was throwing you a bone there to try to allow you to engage in a dialogue. We'll move on to the next question. Well, unfortunately for Satterfield, things didn't get any easier from there. Lee and other lawmakers seized on a recent Wall Street Journal report, which came out last week which revealed that Facebook was aware of the negative effect of Instagram, a company Facebook bought in 2012, on the mental health of teens, especially teenage girls. Here are some excerpts from presentations given to Instagram's Here are some excerpts from presentations given to Instagram execs in 2019 and 2020 per the Wall Street Journal. Content warning, this discusses suicidal ideation, body image issues, Uh, and uh, general mental health matters. Quote, 32% of teen girls said that when they felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse. 
Also, quote, we made body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. And, quote, teens blame Instagram for increases in the rate of anxiety and depression. This reaction was unprompted and consistent across all groups. The research also found that Instagram had a much more profound effect on mental health than other photo and video platforms like TikTok and Snapchat. Reading directly from the journal, quote, the features that Instagram identifies as most harmful to teens appear to be at the platform's core, the tendency to share only the best moments, a pressure to look perfect, and an addictive product can send teens spiraling toward eating disorders, an unhealthy sense of their own bodies, and depression, March 2020 internal research states. It warns that the Explore page, which serves users' photos and videos curated by an algorithm, can send users deep into content that can be harmful, end of quote. Now, back to the Senate hearing. Here was Satterfield taking evasive action when Mike Lee asked him about the journal expose. The journal series that you're referencing raises you know, really serious and important questions. But I, I think it misses the mark in terms of what we're trying to do in the matters that it describes. How does it miss the mark? How does it miss the mark any more than, than revelations years ago about tobacco companies concealing the dangers of tobacco? How is that missing the mark any more than the revelations about tobacco and what tobacco companies knew about what they were doing to their own users? Well, Senator, I, I, I think what, what, what's being discussed in these articles are issues that we have identified ourselves and that we're attempting to work through as a company. That's not exactly what the journal said. Quote, some Instagram researchers said it was challenging to get other colleagues to hear the gravity of their findings. We're standing directly between people and their bonuses, one former researcher said. Also, when researchers told Instagram employees that they should boost celebrities less and users closer friends more on their Instagram timelines, one employee responded saying, quote, isn't that what IG is mostly about? The very photogenic life of the top 0.1%? Isn't that the reason why teens are on the platform? A now former executive also said, quote, people use Instagram because it's a competition. That's the fun part. Well, they sound like the type of high school bully dipshits who say that high school is the best time of your life and are constantly reliving that, just like Uncle Rico trying to throw the football over the mountains. Anyway, later in the hearing, we got more insight into Facebook and Instagram, trying to sweep all of this under the rug. Here was Connecticut Democrat Richard Blumenthal talking about how he and Tennessee Republican Marsha Blackburn tried to look into this issue even before the Wall Street Journal expose. Last month on August 4th, Senator Blackburn and I wrote to Mark Zuckerberg and asked him specifically about this issue. We asked, and I'm quoting, has Facebook's research ever found that its platforms and products can have a negative effect on children's and teens' mental health or well-being, such as increased suicidal thoughts, heightened anxiety, unhealthy usage patterns, negative self-image, or other indications of lower well-being? It wasn't a trick question. It preceded the published reports in the journal. We had no idea about the whistleblower documents that were ultimately revealed. Facebook dodged the question. 
quote, we are not aware of a consensus among studies or experts about how much screen time is too much. End quote. We are not aware. Oil executives denying climate change would be proud of that answer. Here's Satterfield, who, again, is vice president of public policy, claiming he knew nothing about the response. This last clip runs a little long, but I think it nicely illustrates how opaque and slimy these tech giants are. I'm not familiar with the context of, of that letter or what went into the response. You know, what I can tell you is that we think it's important to be having a dialogue with, with Congress on these issues, and, and, and we're prepared to work with you and your team uh, going forward. Will you work with me and my team by appearing on September 30 at a hearing that we've invited you to do? Senator, I know our folks have been in touch with your staff uh, you know, to, to discuss that. It, it's something that I think we're, we're discussing right now. Well, we are discussing it right now. I'm asking you for a commitment that your company will send a high-ranking, qualified, and knowledgeable representative to that hearing on September 30. Senator Blackburn and I uh, are respectively the ranking member and chairman, but it includes Senator Klobuchar and Lee. They are members as well. Uh, we need to hear from someone who's capable of answering these questions, and it should be next week. Will you commit to have someone at that hearing? Senator, we're, we're going to follow up promptly on this. We know these are incredibly important issues, and, and we want to work with you uh, and, and your staff going forward. Mr. Satterfield, we'll I just want to point out to you that your company, contrary to what you just told this committee, is continuing with this really unfortunate charade. Vice President Nick Clegg doubled down on the misleading statement, in fact, uh, this weekend when he said the research is, quote, still relatively nascent and evolving, end quote. But according to one of these studies, Facebook found 13% of British users and 6% of American users traced a desire to kill themselves to Instagram. How is it not misleading to tell this committee that the research is unclear if, according to your own research, tens of thousands of teens have suicidal thoughts directly because of Instagram. Don't you think you owe us an explanation next week? Senator, uh, I, I appreciate the concerns. I do. Uh, and I, I, I do think that Nick was accurate in his op-ed. Uh, what I can tell you is that we, we can commit to working with you and your staff going forward on these issues. Has Facebook ever conducted research that found Instagram was more toxic to teens than another than other social media platforms? Senator, I'm not aware of that. But these again, these aren't issues that I work on at the company. Uh, you know, we're happy to follow up with you and your staff. Well, will you follow up next? Uh, this September 30th by having someone at that hearing who can tell us the answer. By the way, the answer is that you have found Instagram is more toxic than Snap and TikTok. It's more of a Facebook problem. Your own research has shown it. I'd like somebody 
to come provide an answer and explanation next September 30th. We're going to get back to you promptly, Senator. I can commit to that. Well, after all that foot dragging, Facebook did finally agree to send a witness 48 hours after Satterfield's star performance. On Thursday, it was reported that Facebook Global Head of Safety Antigone Davis will appear before the Senate Commerce Subcommittee on Consumer Protection. How she will sidestep questions about Facebook squeezing value out of teens until they're depressed, time will only tell. We are here with Chip Gibbons, journalist, policy director at Defending Rights and Dissent. He speaks on his own behalf here on Chip Chat. I do. I do. I do. But in some ways, perhaps I speak on behalf of all people. Mm. (laughs) Chip, man of the people here. Uh, So what are we talking about? American Horror Story this week? I will Uh, happily talk about how, you know, the double feature, uh, you know, structure of American Horror Story was very promising because it, it seemed to resolve one of the the greatest problems of American heart. I mean, the whole show is a problem, right? Um, which is the fact that like four, between episodes four to six, the thing just falls apart and is unwatchable. And so I was like, oh, this is an interesting premise. This is an interesting premise. This is an interesting premise. And it's like, bah, we destroy it all. And it's like, okay, now you have shorter things. Um, you can't fuck this up. And we got to episode five, which was perhaps the greatest episode in the history of American Horror Story. Um, Macaulay Calkin and Sarah Paulson really play their roles quite well. Uh, it was very much a slow burn, serious tone, you know, that camp bullshit, like really like serious. Like I felt anxious during several of the scenes and I'm very good at distinguishing between um, fiction and, and facts. I'm not one of those people who are like, oh no, Michael Myers is in the house. Cause like, they're just people on their moving pictures. Uh, but I felt I was able to induce feelings of anxiety and tension in me and then we just get to episode six, the end of Red Tide, which is the first of the double feature. And they just did all the typical American horror story bullshit that makes it a horrible show and destroyed uh, this amazing thing. But you're going to keep watching that junk. <laughs> yes, Sam. Sometimes. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. I, I might. I will, perhaps. Always well, such been... a disappointing feeling when uh, a show starts out promising and then takes a turn for the uh, uh, slightly less promising. I mean, American Horror Story never really starts out promising. Um, I mean, I guess you could say Murder House started out promising, but they like wholesale lift the music from like Vertigo, right, in the pilot episode, which is which is very good, except for like this, like, oh, we're just taking the music from Vertigo and psycho and the francis ford coppola dracula you can't do this you can't lift other film scores like this film belongs this music belongs in vertigo and vertical only in the scene where you know uh scotty is in the mental hospital because he has he has melancholia as one does well that's been wow, chip chat the show this is, week the show has been on for 10 years and yes this is, this is the first time i've heard about it right now Literally I, right now. Yeah, I've never seen an episode. I've just seen uh, Chip's tweets about it recently. Um, I'm glad you closely monitor my tweets. I don't closely monitor. They you pop up. I follow you. I follow you, monitor. so they pop up on my timeline. I, it is true because I, I I still get emails from our work account, right? Because like our work Twitter, 
and it will like email you like random Twitter updates and there will always be like Chip Gibbons tweeted and it's like why am I getting an email like what did I tweet like I guess people who follow me on Twitter just unfortunately get emails from Twitter being like Chip Gibbons just tweeted and it's like it's Twitter trying to encourage uh, fights uh, on the platform. Um, I get notifications about my enemies tweeting things. Uh, I mean, all the time. It, it probably seeks out your enemies to highlight their tweets for you. Yeah. I'm just thinking about. So, how- so we've just gone from. I just want to. I just want to trace this for everyone. <laughs> Sam said my tweets are always in his platform, and then he said he's always getting notifications about his enemies' tweets. <laughs> I will let the listeners. To- Draw their own conclusions. That was, yeah, that was a real uh, telling on yourself, Sam. Two completely my, my mind separate is cur- thoughts. My mind is currently on the He's on the smirking algorithm. for those of you who are at home and, and cannot see. He is smirking the way he smirks when he's up to something devious on social media to destroy my life. We, we just we just did a a segment on Instagram and how its algorithm is awful. Um, so that that's why. Uh, I, I I totally miss very perceptive of you, Chip, to uh to jump on the uh the connection between talking about getting your enemies' tweets and Sam getting your tweets. It was um, very very clear. Chip true is not in, in retrospect. It was. I enemy. guess my mind was just on the algorithm, like encouraging you fights know, I, and I, encouraging I was, uh, and like. Been thinking a lot about Freud, Sam. What is your unconscious trying to tell us? <sighs> He's holding up a Freud book for those Chip, not in the you, Zoom. You remain firmly in my problematic faves category on Twitter. <laughs> I I believe from you that is right. that is the best I can hope. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the NDAA. What's that, yeah. Sam? What's that? The the uh this has been one of those weeks on Capitol Hill where a bunch of shit converges together. Uh we had the worldwide threats hearing this week. Uh, featuring testimony from Christopher Ray, in which he talked about how he's like opened 12,000 investigations into Chinese officials um, and how they represent the biggest threat around. Uh, we also have the NDAA uh, being uh, voted on in the House. Um, and this usually includes just um, a whole host of uh, horseshit things, but also good things that uh, lawmakers try to do to rein in the uh, the the war machine. Um, and Chip, you've been kind of following some of this stuff with the NDAA. Where should we start? Yeah, so I guess we should start with the fact that it passed, right? Um, the NDAA passed by a vote of uh, 316 to 113. Uh, it appropriated $776 billion. Uh, if you were afraid the Pentagon didn't have enough money, good news. They have $778 billion now. As you mentioned- uh, That will end- be for next year. Next Sorry, year, I, yes. I, 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 didn't, I, I hate to interrupt you. That will be for next year. And it just really bugs me when people talk about the $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill um, as if that's too much money because that, that figure is money spent over a decade Whereas if we were to talk about the Pentagon's budget over a decade, it would be like, you know, upwards of eight trillion, um, you know, with all the classified stuff, 10 trillion even maybe. But I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I'm a little hyperactive this morning. Just no, no, that, it, 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 it's, it's fine. And as Sam mentioned, 
you know, NDA is bad, generally speaking, but in the process, various members of Congress will offer uh, amendments to, to try to make it better. Um, the amendments that I was most interested in were Bowman's amendment to sort of block the president from keeping troops in Syria. We have troops occupying Syria uh, unless Congress approves within a year. You know, Congress never never voted to put troops there. Uh, Kahana had an amendment about Yemen that was very interesting. Of course, there's Johnson's 1033 uh, amendment. That's the uh, program that gives uh, surplus military gear to, to local police. And there's a variety of things that come through 1033, like printers and fax machines and things like that. But more disturbingly, more disturbingly, uh, you know, like military style weapons, uh, so there's always this sort of Johnson amendment, amendment to limit that. Uh, and then there was um, an amendment from AOC to cut 10% off and an amendment from Lee to uh, cut 24, I don't know, I, I believe that's million off the top. And then, which I didn't know about, was there was a nuclear weapons related amendment, which I just recently learned about. And I'm going to, I'm going to, tell you what all of these oh where did it go i have my NDAA tell, it, tell us what you're gonna do chip well i have my ndaa cheat sheet here with all of the amendments a brief summary of them and there were like uh there were like hundreds of amendments in total i know i, I have they, an they excel document on... with all of them how many were there like 400 or something i believe 500 there's 700 maybe i don't know and did they all get votes i don't just... know if they all get votes Sometimes they package them together. Uh, manager's amendment or whatever. Manager's yeah. package. Oh, damn it. Where did this go? Chip, how many tabs do you have open? I'm in one tab at the moment looking through all of the NDAA amendments, looking for amendment number 38. It's a big spreadsheet. It's got 500-something um, rows. Yeah, but yeah. they are numbered, so you should be but able to. But they're not order. But but like so, like thirty-eight. I'm, I I do like a number for like thirty-eight, and I get like seven thirty. Oh, here we go, thirty-eight. Okay. Thirty-eight uh, prohibits funding for the ground-based strategic deterrent program, which is a nuclear weapons program with intercon intercontinental ballistic missiles. Uh, Kohana has been fighting this program for some time. They they put an amendment in to block funding for it, and it failed. Uh, 118 to 299. So be excited for this very mm. exciting nuclear weapons program, the ground-based strategic deterrent, which I'm sure is really worth threatening the future of life on life on Earth over. And then of it's course- a, It's a bunch of Tesla trucks with uh, missile <laughs> launching uh, capabilities that is are just really? positioned all around. <laughs> Uh, no, but you could not go yet. anywhere. These, look, these Google, missiles could go anywhere. Don't touch me. Back when off. When I Google the name of the program, the Northrop Grumman page comes up first mm. before any government page, which mm. oh, so is a different old. defense contractor. Okay, yeah. Other yeah. Than, so like we, other we already have SpaceX or Tesla, thousands of nukes enough to destroy the world several times over. We have. Uh, delivery systems capable of launching these nukes pretty much from anywhere in the world if you count um, submarines. And yet we need more. We need, we we need more deterrence. We need more nuclear power. Um, I'm guessing the justification is China. China. 
I don't know, but I, I, I mean, that's how they seem to be justifying um, pretty much all uh, excess military spending these days, even though we spend many times more than China does on its defense, and uh, they have like three times the population. It's the military's next intercontinental ballistic missile system. And Kahana and Marky had previously uh, introduced a bill that did not go anywhere to redirect money from it to fighting the coronavirus. Investing in cure, the Investing in Cures Before Missiles Act, ICBM, which uh, ICBM is also the acronym for Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles. So nice. honestly, if I had seen the ICBM Act, I probably would have just looking at the title been opposed for it, thinking it was about intercontinental ballistic missiles and not investing in cures before missiles but um so omar also had or an like immense- my stomach issues or something here <laughs> oh uh, uh you're i know you're thinking of ibcm or something IBS. i think it's just ivs yes it was an yeah. ivs joke but we can I, yeah I, I got it i got it I'm sorry you have stomach problems caused by intercontinental ballistic missiles that too it's the anxiety I, of it at I, all times i imagine that the radiation will probably eventually kill you, but I'm sorry, in the dying process, you I, live with stomach pain. Anyways, more importantly than your stomach problems, Bowman uh, had a law that prohibits the U.S. military, or an amendment to prohibit the U.S. military presence in Syria without congressional approval within one year of enactment. That's really very generous. I would just, um, you know. Did any of these things pass? Did any of these good amendments pass? One did, Sam. Some of them did, and we're going to okay. get there when we get there. All right, there. all right. Sorry, I got him. All right, <laughs> we're going to get there when we get there. Uh, that failed, 141 to 266. Uh, Omar, I don't even see a vote tally for this, so I guess just passed uh, unanimously to to get the final uh when they have the final report on Afghanistan to include a reporting on the humanitarian impact of it on, uh, yes, uh, adds a requirement to the final report for the Commission on Afghanistan created by Section 1080 to include an assessment of the impact of civilian harm and human rights violations, including civilian casualties from airstrikes, arbitrary detentions, extrajudicial killings, and from the use of torture and extraordinary rendition. And that that passed that's in there and that'll be a good counterbalance to this priority of a lot of people who are still upset about afghanistan who got this study into the ndaa to like determine what went wrong uh when the u.s withdrew so at least we will well i can tell you what went wrong i can tell you what went wrong in afghanistan the invasion yes also operation cyclone giving two billion dollars to the mujahideen I have a feeling that the Pentagon will come to a different conclusion there, though. But uh, at least Omar's directive will get them to focus on uh, at least some of the reasons why the uh, occupation and invasion were a failure. Pentagon. Pentagon, Well, I guess it would be. Well, yeah, the Pentagon reporting that they were uh, stabbed in the back by... The news media and the home front and the rootless the news media did, The news media did not stab them in the no, back. I know, I know. I like, know. they stabbed Joe Biden in the back after, like, 
like doing puff pieces for like forever when he pulled troops up. They did not stab the Pentagon in the back. Look, uh, I was just I was just trying to make a crass Nazi joke. No, I and... understood the Nazi reference, but it was not the news media who stabbed him in the back. It was True. uh it was career politician Joseph Biden. Unbelievable. Yes. And also um of course uh Trump set the withdrawal process into motion which um you know one of those okay things that, but one but, of those things but, that but, but, he, sam, he stumbled in sam, backwards to good accidentally sam if trump had been president he would have sent robert Lee to win the war before the withdrawal <laughs> he did say that i can't uh, believe yeah. i don't think we have brought that up on the show yet so thank you very much for bringing that up um, anyway so amendment and, and, five, and, well, i, I did I just also wanted to say on the Bowman Amendment, I was going somewhere with this, that the majority of the no votes on the Bowman Amendment were Republicans and not that Democrats aren't also terrible and also uh, many of them voted down the Bowman Amendment. But um, just to counterbalance the uh, certain narratives you hear about the Trump era Republican Party being skeptical of war and skeptical of military adventure uh, and pretty much... I think it was like nine-tenths of the Republican caucus was aghast at this uh, Bowman amendment. I think down. only one Republican voted for the 1033 amendment because I saw someone who's a, who I respect as a libertarian being like, hey, what happened to all the libertarian? I mean, I could answer that question for him, but you know, it's like, hey, what happened to all the libertarian Republicans? Only blah, blah voted no on 1033. It's probably just Massey. I think there's only one of them left now, really. Yeah, yeah. So then the big thing the anti-war groups really wanted was Amendment 573, which was Kahana's amendment, which terminates U.S. military logistics support and transfer of spare parts to Saudi warplanes conducting aerial strikes against the Houthis and permanently ends intelligence uh, sharing that enables offensive strikes and any U.S. effort to command, coordinate, participate and the Saudi-led coalition forces in Yemen, and that passed 219 to 207. There was also a Meeks Yemen amendment, which I saw someone on Twitter say was a competing amendment, and that one also passed 223 to 204. I'm not quite sure what the interplay will be between those two things, but the big things that the anti-war groups really wanted was this, this Kahana amendment, and to a lesser extent, the, the, the Bowman amendment, and then the thing that groups like mine were concerned with, um, and then um, was was the Johnson 1033 amendment, which was rejected, which would restrict the Department of Defense from transferring certain surplus military property to federal state um, agencies. The Johnson amendment is the one that has the most support on 1033, but there's a lot of controversy over it because it doesn't end 1033 completely. And I believe there are usually some stronger amendments that groups like mine also support that are um, more go go further than this. Um, but this was rejected 198 to 233, a very close vote. I believe if every Democrat had voted against it, had voted for it, it would have gotten in there. So um, you don't even have unanimity in the Democratic Party on ending ending uh surplus like like mil tools of war being given yeah. to cops yeah um which is very sad yeah an yeah. issue that's been like on the radar for quite a while now i remember seven this. years 
Yeah, this has been uh, something that uh, uh, Obama pretended to like Do, take on yes. and then didn't. Um, yes. The uh, NDA also included funding for 13 new warships and 85 oh, new F-35s. So we're still <laughs> buying uh, F-35s. <laughs> and then we had the separate vote on Iron Dome. Yeah, uh, just just quick. This is the the House passed the NDA. The Senate still has to work on it. There's going to be a conference, so like this is something we got to keep an eye on. Even the yeah. amendments that pass could get stripped out. Still. Oh yeah, yeah. So. I, w- I was I was going to ask you, Chip, before we move on to the Iron Dome, because the Kana Yemen amendment is more or less the, from my knowledge, the only you know good one that passed. Uh, what do you know about its chances in the Senate? Uh, I mean, obviously, it could get shadily stripped out in conference committee, assuming the Senate does not pass the identical uh, bill that the House approved. So it could pass both the House and Senate and get stripped out in the in smoke-filled rooms during the conference committee. But do you think it'll pass the Senate? I don't know. I wish I worked on Yemen, right, for my for my day job. That's one issue. I wish that I was was more involved in. Um, but it, 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 I have no idea what the backrooms intel is, is, is for Yemen. Um, I, I wish I did, but I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking there's a pretty broad consensus that U.S. support for the Saudi-led war, a growing consensus that U.S. support for the Saudi-led war in, in Yemen is just, you know, atrocious, not in our national interest and just, you know, not, not, not not something we should be involved in I, if I, i'm not if i'm not mistaken republicans in the senate have supported legislation in the, the war powers thing yeah to um to rein in u.s support of the saudi war in yemen and people like uh obviously bernie sanders is 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 the big um uh, it was sanders lee and um Rand paul was it or no no Rand paul wouldn't support it nor would the aclu because they were concerned that by exempting uh, the war on terror, U.S. airstrikes in Yemen, there's two U.S. wars in Yemen, and that by exempting the one war from it, they were they were a backdoor authorization of it. But yeah. I believe the Congressional Research Service pretty 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 much resounded it or rejected that that interpretation. But I know that uh, groups that are challenging. Uh, so because the U.S. does like, you know, anti-Al-Qaeda stuff in, in Yemen. And I know the groups that were challenging that, like the ACLU, were concerned that this would be read by courts as a as an authorization of it by exempting it. And Rand Paul made that critique. Um, and we almost pulled our support from it at work because we did not want to authorize those those airstrikes. But my conclusion and the conclusion of the Congressional Research Service was just that that's not that's not true. And I, I, but just I, wanted, I understand people can make that argument, though. I see. I, I just also wanted to add in the, the possibility of um, the Kana Amendment passing the House, passing the Senate, passing conference committee, and then uh, being subject to a line item veto by, by President Biden. That is a Do they aren't line item vetoes unconstitutional? Wasn't that settled in like the 90s? Uh, you're the lawyer, so maybe I'm wrong about this. Yeah, I, think, I, I don't think you're allowed to do that. I was under the impression that the Supreme Court struck down can, line of views. The, Look, you're the, not the president, allowed to do the, a lot of stuff. The president does anyway. Yeah, so the I, president I, can issue, I guess, a signing, a signing statement, statement saying yes. he doesn't intend to like 
follow uh, this and i don't think that it's been fully established like the power of these things so yeah if you wanted to uh incite some sort of lawsuit or constitutional crisis perhaps uh he could do that i'm not sure that this administration would be willing to do that although maybe to preserve war making powers it would be um, i mean their war making powers aren't that threatened by the yemen thing like the syria yeah. thing I mean, they're exempting a lot of their, you know, war making activities in, in, um, in Yemen that I think are more important to the Pentagon than what the Saudis are doing, right? I think the Saudi, you know, war on the Houthi coalition is of less concern to the Pentagon than other activities in the region, which is part of the reason why this can, can get so far. All right, let's talk about uh, Iron Dome quick. There was a there's a minor can I, vic- can I say something about Iron Dome? Please. May I say something about Iron okay. Dome? I guess that, I guess we'll let you go that ahead. No one else will say, but I will say Iron Dome is a fraud. Okay, like Doesn't yes, work. yes, we should not be giving money to an apartheid state. So brave. Like, like that no, no one is no even the anti-Iron Dome people won't talk about this. Iron Dome is a fraudulent program. It is defrauding the taxpayers. Ted Postal did a whole thing in the International Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, like analyzing it, showing how how it doesn't work. And and even like beyond that, like even beyond the like, I'm an MIT genius, let me do math stuff. In 2008-2009, Israel assault on Gaza. They didn't have Iron Dome. How many people in Israel do you think the rockets killed, Sam? Six. Three. Three, which terrible loss of life for those people. I was going like, to say that for the record. I was going to say three. But, so 2014. Well, he said Sam, and he could have been talking to so either of us. 2014. So. 2014, Israel again uh, massacres people in Gaza. Only this time, they have this miraculous Iron Dome that we've heard so much about and how, oh, if they didn't have it, the rockets would rain down and they'd do even more atrocities in Gaza. My dentist was the first person to tell me this, but apparently it's gone out of the dental office and into the into the mainstream media, right? Like, oh, they didn't have Iron Dome. All the civilian casualties, they just, you know, they do a genocide as opposed to just ethnic cleansing. Uh, so how many people do you think died in 2014 from rockets when they had this miraculous Iron Dome? Six. Six! Twice as many! Uh, one of them was a Thai guest worker. One of them was a Bedouin who are, you know, not protected at all by the racist state of Israel in any of their sort of civil air defense things. They're not allowed uh, to build their own bomb shelters. I know, Bedouins. yes. Yes, so they kill a Thai guest worker and a Bedouin. And I believe overall, um, like deaths from rockets, Thai guest workers are pretty disproportionately represented. Um, But like, what the fuck is this? Like Iron Dome, the scientists say doesn't do what it says it does, right? Basic common sense, you know, 100% increase in casualties. Although, you know, at this low level, that isn't really a big fluctuation. Uh, It's just completely a fraudulent program. It is yet another fraudulent missile defense system that is propagated by the military industrial complex to to defraud the public treasury. And in the case of Israel, it's even worse because they're an apartheid state and it plays a huge propaganda role for them. Like, oh, we're under attack from all these firecrackers they keep shooting at us and it's like oh okay how lethal are these firecrackers oh no they're not that bad 
because we've got the Iron Dome. And then that allows them to pretend like they're under a greater attack than they are and go in and massacre Palestinians as a pretext. And if you remember, during the 2014 war, if you want to call it a war, they made this huge spectacle of themselves complaining, the rockets, the rockets, the rockets. So the U.S. did what the rockets could hit Tel Aviv, right? So the U.S. did what any, I believe some people did what any respect would have done. It's like, okay, we're not going to fly planes to Tel Aviv if there's all these rockets. So Michael Bloomberg, you know, got on a plane and flew to Tel Aviv to show the world how safe it is to, to land there. And it's like, I'm sorry, uh, this was the entire pretext for your war. What do you mean Michael Bloomberg is flying around not being hit by rockets? Uh, and then they started on the tunnels. There's tunnels, there's terror tunnels, and there's terror balloons and terror kites and well, like an iron dome. The news, the, the news this week is uh, the House approved another uh, billion dollars. For... Additional, additional, additional billion dollars. Well, another, yeah. Like all these people, like, oh, you're not funding the iron dome. It protects. Was like on no, top of the routine fund. funding yes. that happens every year for on top dome. of the routine funding of the massive military aggress to an apartheid state. On top of the routine funding for the iron dome, which is a fraud, they gave an additional billion dollars to iron dome. All right, can, it can is we, outrageous. And and I want to talk about the vote here just for a little bit here because it's bizarre AOC to me. Crying, well, yes. Well, well. Uh, first off, there was a victory at first because Democrats tried to include this measure in their uh, bill to fund the government to prevent a shutdown, and progressives said we're not going to support it if you do that. And since Republicans in the House won't vote for a bill to avert a government shutdown, the progressives actually had some leverage there, so they stripped out that measure and then pass the funding bill. And Steny Hoyer that evening says, okay, well, tomorrow we're going to bring up a bill by itself. Through suspension of the rules. Through suspension of the rules. Right. and Like they got a vote to suspend the rules. Yeah, knowing that you could get Republicans to support a standalone measure that's not attached to a government funding measure and totally neutralize whatever opposition there is among progressives. And that's what happened. The bill passed like 420 to 8. We had... Most members of the Progressive Caucus uh, support the Jayapal. Uh, yeah, support the including yeah the chair the chairwoman of the caucus, uh, Pramila Jayapal, support the measure. Um, you had uh, most members of the squad vote against it: Ilhan Omar, uh, Rashida Tlaib, Cory Bush, Ayanna Presley. You did have Bowman Jamal it, Bowman vote for it, and then you had uh, AOC vote against it, but then change her vote to present while well, crying. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm not. I I don't. I don't know why she was crying. Um, it like her Norman. changing the vote makes no sense to me because it didn't have an effect on the outcome at all. She came into the vote prepared to vote for no, and then I guess somebody might have like raised some concern about future electoral attacks that could be uh, waged against her. And that she could still be waged for yes. voting present. Like yes, APAC that still be. is not going to distinguish between voting present and voting no, right? She did not vote for this miraculous civilian saving uh, dome uh, that protects against terror rockets, but not terror tunnels or terror kites. Right. The, the present uh, vote will not save her from the attacks. It doesn't save her. Yeah. And I don't understand what she was doing. And, and I guess... And the fact that it was a last minute change on the floor, like someone must have said something to her. Like, I don't, I don't know who, I don't know why. I mean, Jayapal was consoling her, right? That was the, the Twitter reporting and you know, Jayapal voted yes. Um, 
I don't know. I just know Norman Finkelstein used to talk about how the Israelis would bomb children and then cry about it and expect us to look at them for being so humane. Like, yes, Shooting we do these terrible crying. atrocities, but we feel so bad about it. And yeah. Norman I, has quite a few things to say about crocodile tears in general. Um, it just strikes we've all, me. We've seen that clip. It's a good it, clip. Yeah, it, it strikes I've me seen it make as, someone cry. As, as someone who, and AOC obviously gets a lot of unfair criticism or at least she's subjected to more criticism than is applied to other lawmakers who have the same sort of like uh claimed ideology but act in shitty ways um but and like i don't know what other conclusion to draw from this other than like she and her staff aren't quite sure what they're doing like they are not they are in not to repeat the the right wing attack. Oh, she's a bartender. She doesn't know what she's doing. But like changing your vote from no to present at the last minute here makes me think like you're in over your head on what you're trying to do as a legislator. I, I mean, I know she's been subjected to right wing attacks. Like, oh, she's just a bartender. I think bartenders are smarter than most of the lawyers and business yeah, people course, in Congress. Yeah. But th- when it comes to the issue of Palestine, there have been multiple moments where AOC has definitely seemed in over her head. I know I'm, she has. And the People, present vote on the police funding bill, too. The present vote. But remember the time she was asked by some right wing goon, like, you refer to the occupation of Palestine. What occupation are you talking about? She's like, I guess I'll get back to you. Yeah. I need to look this up. And then there was. Those and, and someone criticized comments. her for meeting with Jeremy Corbyn. And she was like, because he's no, he an anti Semite. He gave her guardian advice. They didn't meet. Oh, he gave sorry. her guardian advice. Sorry. Yeah. And someone was like, oh, this is you, this person is a huge anti Semite. And she like recognized it. Oh, yes. Well, thanks for bringing this to my attention. Because he gave her guardian advice, unsolicited guardian advice online. Um, and then there was that other incident where she um, was asked something about, was it like the Jewish Community Center, whatever that question was about palestine and she gave the most gibberish answer like a lot of people including people who regularly criticized her were really angry at her and i'm like i can't need to be call angry everybody at- in it's like and i'm like i can't be angry at her because i don't know what she just said right <laughs> like 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 do you do you, do you remember the gibberish answer she yeah, gave I, yeah and it was uh, just, yeah i think and it was people like- were like really angry and i'm like i can't be angry because i don't even know what she's trying to say here <laughs> like like and she was speaking before the JCRC. I forget what that stands for. Like she knew they were going to ask her about this, right? And she's like, just gibberish time, right? I mean, what the fuck is this? And I believe she, you know, Talib and Omar support BDS. AOC won't go there. Bowman's also waffled on on Palestine a bit. I mean, and to be clear, I mean, like twenty years ago, you know, someone with AOC's position in the Democratic Party would have been a breath of fresh air. So it is It is good that we have, you know, we can complain about where AOC is. Uh, 30 or 40 years ago, there would have been someone in the Republican Party with a much stronger position. Um, that's a story for another day. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, now things are different and she wasn't asked to do something unique. There were other members who voted, who took the courageous vote on Iron Dome and voted no, and those members had to watch and I'm sure that they are not like mad at AOC or anything, whatever. No, but they watched her change her vote uh, because she, I guess, doesn't feel confident enough to convince her constituents that it's actually bad to give an extra 
billion dollars in military assistance. Do you to, really think her constituents in Queens are thinking about Iron Dome? I don't think no. they are, but she must she think that they New are. She might run for New York City mayor at some point, though. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 if she runs for senator against Schumer, which, although, I mean, if she's running for senator against Schumer, she's going to have problems with voting present. She's going to have problems with the fact that she's running against Schumer, one of the most powerful people in the Democratic Party. Um, no, it doesn't make any sense. Her actions make no sense. Um, I, I think she does a lot of things that, deserve some criticism but she has this very sort of strident group of defenders online and she has these people who are cultishly obsessed with hating her right like every bad thing in the world is because of aoc yeah it's interesting well, that when omar Barghouti, the uh head of the bds palestinian committee in palestine spoke you've got a DSA. minute i'm letting you know right okay. now chip uh, when he spoke at the D- when he spoke at the dsa convention he 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 praised some of aoc's positions so i was i was yeah. surprised by that so they are appreciated well, um, you've made uh, Sam's cutting my mic again. You've made a strong case for uh, AOC's garbage candidacy this week, uh, Chip. No, so no, if we I end up throwing her in, it's because of you. Get a soapbox, get it like one of those sandwich board signs, and yell, "Iron Dome is a fraud!" In the coffee shops, in the bars, on the I street corners, in the instead, metros. Let the people know, Iron Dome does not work. Write it I, on a sandwich okay. board. Stand on a soapbox. But have you considered like writing it on a dress? No. Goodbye. Chip, do you want to? Ten mic. seconds. Do you want to plug primary sources here in ten seconds? What's uh, anything coming? Primary up? sources. Uh, Matthew Ho will be out on October oh. the seventh. Thanks, Chip. We'll talk to you next week. We will. Thank All you, right. Chip.